COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. Our goal is to protect the lives and livelihoods of Australians. We have breaking news on a corona scare. The panic buying, self-isolating on a statewide level. Stop it. It's Tuesday, April 14th. Welcome to Coronavirus Watch with Natalie Bongiolo and Ben O'Shea. And more good news in WA with the numbers of coronavirus cases here, Ben. Looking at what's happening elsewhere around the world, Nat, it's actually astonishing where Western Australia is right now. We had just four new cases in WA over the last 24 hours. But the important thing to note from those numbers are three came from uh, the Artania cruise ship and only one new case was from Western Australia. That was a WA resident who had close contact with somebody who had previously been diagnosed with COVID-19. So to have only one new West Aussie case in the past 24 hours is just so amazing. That's right. And this is the sixth consecutive decline in the numbers of cases in Western Australia, which is just extraordinary and such good news. What about nationally? And nationally, again, it's also good news. Uh, we only saw 44 new cases uh, of coronavirus in the past 24 hours. And to put that in perspective again, it was only at the start of this month where Australia was seeing 300 new cases a day. So to be down to 44 is a fantastic result. It brings the national total to 6,366. And to give that some international context, uh, once upon a time, we were ranked around the uh, the 10th in the world in terms of the number of coronavirus cases. We dropped to about 20th uh, a, a week or so ago. Now we're 31st in the world. So we are definitely trending in the right direction. Yeah, and to see that actual graph when you look at it and to see the flattening of the curve, it really does give us hope here in Australia. Uh, the same can't be said for the rest of the world, which uh, some places are just in terrible strife and it's not getting any better not getting any better at all. Uh, we're pushing towards the 2 million confirmed cases mark. We're currently at uh, 1,925,224 confirmed cases and nearly 120,000 deaths. Some of those daily um, statistics that we're seeing, the daily deaths, are just really so disturbing and you just hope that those countries can finally do something to start to flatten their curves. It's just terrible. Um, now, back here at home, Health Minister Roger Cook uh, told us today about an incredible research trial that uh, Western Australia has been cl included in. This is a trial that's happening around the country and we are uh, in the forefront of it right here in WA. Yeah, well, this could be a trial that has international significance, depending on the result. Uh, it's made possible thanks to uh, $1.5 million from the Mindaroo Foundation, from Andrew Forrest, so thanks, Twiggy. Uh, and it's going to be conducted by the Telephone Kids Institute, who are turning from uh, specific medical research into children's diseases to uh, COVID-19 research, which is fantastic because we know the Telephone Kids Institute is one of the best research institutes in the world. Uh, and so what they're going to be doing is testing a tuberculosis vaccine on 2,000 health workers. Uh, there'll be 750 from Charlie Gardner, 750 from Fiona Stanley, and 500 from the Perth Children's Hospital. Uh, of that group, half will get the TB vaccine uh, when they get their seasonal flu shot. The other half will be the control group. Uh, so they'll monitor the difference between each group when it comes to uh, what happens with uh, a coronavirus um, uh, likelihood of getting it and, and the severity of symptoms. This TB vaccine uh, has been around for a while. Uh, and what they've discovered about 20 years ago was that it also reduces the incidence and deaths from uh, respiratory illness, all sorts of respiratory illnesses. Uh, and so 
the result of this, if it actually has a positive impact on keeping health workers uh, safe from a coronavirus or if it reduces the severity of their illnesses, we could see this trial expanded uh, nationally and internationally. So there are a lot of hospitals and medical research centres around the world that are watching Western Australia very closely right now. Let's have a little listen about what Jonathan Karapetis had to say about this. About 20 years ago, we discovered something else about the BCG vaccine, which is that it appears to offer broader effects beyond just preventing tuberculosis. It appears to also prevent the incidence of other infections, particularly respiratory infections. And it's been shown to reduce even deaths from respiratory infections in young children. We know that even in the elderly, it reduces the rates of respiratory infections in those who've had it. So that led us thinking, got us to think around what sort of non-specific effects in boosting the immune system might we be able to take advantage of with this vaccine to prevent the most vulnerable in our community getting coronavirus or getting it severely if they do get it. And of course, we know, as the minister said, how important it is to protect our healthcare worker staff. Hence the BRACE trial. I mean, it is just so brilliant to see TKI stepping up here and Professor Karapetis and his team who are really basically repurposing their their workplaces into this coronavirus um, um, research. And it's extraordinary to think that a, a vaccine that's been around for 100 years could be such an immune booster and help prevent against this um, the symptoms and the severity. Yeah, no doubt. And the important thing to note, because it has been around for a while, any side effects are well known at this point. So there can be a lot of confidence injecting healthcare workers and they're not going to experience any adverse uh, effects from the vaccine. And that's, that's I think, great news because uh, we don't have to worry about lengthy human trials to, to rush this through. This is a known quantity uh, and we're going to give it a go. Uh, and uh, WA is leading the world. Yeah. And speaking of vaccines, the government kicked off a $400,000 campaign to supply influenza free to all kids. So that public campaign launched today. Um, and of course, there has been a huge uptake in the, in the flu vaccine for people. So they are urging you to make a booking. You may have to wait, but it is more important than ever before, according to the health minister, to get the flu vaccine, because what we don't want is we don't want a double whammy with coronavirus and the flu. And he basically said they are moving uh, heaven and earth to fight fight this virus. This is particularly important right now as seasonal influenza may overlap with COVID-19. And we know primary school-aged children had a very high rate of influenza infection last year. So I said this is a $400,000 uh, campaign um, as part of continuing to make sure that we do our bit to reduce the rate of infection from influenza in our community. So if you haven't booked for your flu vaccination, now is a, a good time to do it. We've heard that um, obviously we are, are desperate for frontline health workers, but there is some talk that maybe uh, some nurses are saying they're not getting enough work. Yeah, it seems counterintuitive. But what you have to remember is we've seen with the coronavirus pandemic around the world that people with pre-existing medical conditions or minor medical conditions are not 
presenting at hospitals because they're worried about getting COVID-19. So some of that caseload is being reduced at the hospital level. And then also we're seeing uh, elective surgeries cease. So there is not as many medical staff required in that element of uh, the health system. And so it's not a surprise to see that some casual nurses are actually struggling to find work at the moment. But I think we've seen around the world that uh, the coronavirus can spike at any time and all of a sudden the health system can be uh, in huge pressure. Uh, And so I think the government wants these health workers to be available uh, for when they're needed. Um, But for some, it's, yeah, it's a struggle to find uh, some work at the moment. But we do have a huge amount of capacity in our hospital system at the moment, both our public and our private system. Um, And we're holding that capacity for a good reason. And that is if we get significant outbreaks of the virus, we want them to be able to respond to the crisis as that presents. But um, as we move forward, uh, we'll look at that capacity and see if there's other ways that we can uh, we can utilise it for not only for the benefit of people working in those hospitals, but obviously for all those people who are currently waiting for operations or other medical procedures which have been put on hold. Well, we also heard later this afternoon from Premier Mark McGowan and he really said that, you know, the response in WA has been remarkable and that we really all should feel very, very proud of what we've achieved in in our self-isolating and taking these restrictions seriously. And he had a little bit to say about when he would look at easing some of these restrictions. Yeah, McGowan was uh, very proud of everything that Western Australians have done, especially over the Easter weekend where we saw the vast majority of people do the right thing. He said today that if the health advice dictates, he would move to ease and tweak the restrictions that are currently in place, so closing uh, cafes and schools and all that sort of stuff, uh, in a methodical and measured way. I think those words are very important here, methodical and measured. It's not just going to be flicking a switch and everything is turned back on and reopened. It's going to be done uh, case by case, piece by piece, until uh, parts of the economy are restarted. Because the important thing here, and he made it very clear, that he doesn't want to take any chances. He doesn't want to go backwards. He doesn't want to undo the great work that Western Australia has done in the past few weeks. Uh, he, he reminded people that the borders of Western Australia were likely to stay shut for a long time. Uh, he reminded everybody that we live in one of the best and safest places in the world. And so he wanted to continue to use that geographic isolation to our advantage. Uh, and I think you would expect that the, the both the borders with the East Coast and the borders internationally will remain closed for some months to come. But interstate travel, that could be back on the agenda. Well, that would be good. And people who are uh, you know unable to see their families in different parts of the states would probably be looking forward to that, I imagine. They're also, the Premier said, they're uh, looking to pass urgent new laws tomorrow for tenants and landlords. Now, this was not just commercial, but also residential tenants and landlords. And they're going to have a moratorium on eviction. Now, this means that you cannot be kicked out of your rental property for the next six months. But he was making it very clear this is not a moratorium on rent, meaning you must still pay your rent. You just can't be evicted. So again, there was this idea that, you know, you would have to chat to the landlord and the landlord would have to chat to the tenant and come to some kind of a compromise. He also said that uh, part of this law would mean no rent increases over the next six months. 
and that banks would allow landlords to hold over their mortgage repayments for that period of time. So that will probably be good news to tenants who have lost their jobs and are are very concerned, but also, I suppose, good news for landlords who are worried about how they're going to pay the mortgage if um, the rent is withheld for a while. Yeah, I think this is a piece of legislation that that everybody agrees is a good idea. There needs to be protections in place because there are so many people unemployed at the moment. Uh, There are some big questions about how it will be implemented and how these mechanisms will actually work in the real world. Uh, As far as the moratorium on evictions, McGowan did say that it's not just a carte blanche, you can behave however you want as a tenant and you're not going to get kicked out. If you misbehave, if you trash to the property that you're renting, you're still eligible to be evicted, but you can't be evicted uh, on the basis of not being able to pay your rent because you've lost your job. Uh, there's also, I guess, uh, some some questions that landlords will be wondering, how is this legislation going to compel tenants who don't pay rent for six months to then pay all of that back rent that they've amassed over the previous six months, uh, what's to stop them from just moving out and never paying the money back? There are lots of question marks around this legislation at the moment. And as we've seen with all of the coronavirus legislation that's passed at the state and federal level over the past couple of weeks, sometimes it's not until it's actually been passed through parliament and is actually implemented that we really see how it's going to function. And then there can be more tweaks and and figuring out exactly how to navigate uh, this new world that we all find ourselves in. That's right. I think um, tomorrow, you know, the devil will be in the detail there. Um, (laughs) And and I think it will probably require a lot of goodwill on both parts. Now, WA's goodwill to the good ship, Artania, (laughs) is is diminishing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there's any left at this point. Uh, we feel very bad for anybody on the ship who who has COVID-19 and we've been taking them off as they've been identified and giving them the best medical uh, care that we possibly can. But now, hopefully, uh, we've gotten to the end of all of those cases from the Artania and it will be sailing out of Frio Harbour this weekend, fingers crossed, and it will sail off into the sunset and it will go back to its home port in Germany. Uh, I know Premier Mark McGowan will be absolutely beside himself <laughs> if that can happen. Uh, and uh, it would just be it would just be fantastic. There have been other cruise ships hanging around Western Australia. The, uh, all bar one of them uh, has departed, which is good to see. None of them stopped, as was a big fear of Mark McGowan last week because there was 6,000 uh, workers on those crew members on those ships and but they're now all but one has sailed past uh, but going forward you would expect that the cruise industry uh, is in big trouble. Uh, it's, I don't know how they get past this uh, PR nightmare, uh, which has been uh, the, you know, the coronavirus situation. I, it's just absolutely staggering uh, how many cases came from cruise ships and how easily the virus spread on cruise ships. Um, but it's important to remember it's not just the big cruise lines that are impacted by this. It's the regional economies, places like uh, Geraldton, and Frio and and Albany, where cruise ships call in. Heaps of people, thousands of people get off those boats and spend money in the local economies. If that dries up, then obviously there is a cost to Western Australia as well. That's right. I mean, we wish all of those people well, but really the cruise ship situation around the world has been nothing short of an an absolute disaster. Uh, It was interesting listening to the Federal Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, this afternoon, and he was talking about... Uh, you know, these measures that they've put into place and just how much they have protected the workforce from mass unemployment. But the figures are still very high. 
yeah, he was talking about uh, expecting unemployment to peak at 10%. Currently, it's around 5%. So that's a doubling of the unemployment rate, uh, which is just, you know, we haven't seen uh, unemployment figures in Australia like that for quite some time. He said that if it wasn't for the government's JobKeeper program, uh, then we could have seen unemployment go up to 15%. Uh, Obviously, the unemployment rise is still is very concerning, uh, but he pointed out that uh, more than 800,000 businesses have registered for the JobKeeper initiative, uh, which means 6 million workers are expected to receive those benefits, which is just phenomenal numbers, really. But it just goes to show uh, how deeply uh, this pandemic has impacted the Australian economy. That's right. Without the JobKeeper, he's saying, you know, we would have been looking at 2 million people to date without jobs. Let's have a listen. Uh, it will be a Team Australia moment. We'll having to, to, to look at the economy as a whole, uh, work as we've done constructively with the states, key stakeholders, I mean the unions and big business have been involved in the discussions uh, ahead of the JobKeeper package passing the parliament. Uh, and of course we're looking to, to cut red tape at every opportunity to, to streamline those opportunities. So. I believe um, that more jobs will be created on the other side of this crisis. I think there, there will be the recovery phase. Australia will be well positioned for that, but there are certainly some challenges ahead. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at uh, the economic impact in other places around the world, they've certainly fared a whole lot worse than what we have here in Australia so far. Now, across the Tasman, uh, Tasmania, some very confusing and conflicting information coming out of Tasmania today about a cluster of COVID cases. It's a cluster of something, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And Australia's Chief Medical Officer, Brenda Murphy, raised a few eyebrows recently when he told a New Zealand, uh, a gathering of New Zealand politicians, uh, they were talking about uh, the response to the coronavirus pandemic. He was giving some advice on what Australia had done and what uh, New Zealand might expect and the importance of being vigilant, even though it it might look like your your numbers are trending in the right direction. And he made this off-the-cuff reference to how uh, a, a spike in cases can happen organically. And he mentioned a uh, illegal dinner party of medical workers in, uh, in sort of in the town of Burnie in uh, Tasmania. And it made national news in Australia almost immediately. And the Premier of Tasmania uh, had to come out and say, well, you know, that's we've we're not sure that that is actually true we're investigating that we're doing contact tracing you certainly can't say that there was an illegal gathering of medical workers because that might not in fact be true and so brenda murphy has had to come out today and say oh I was I based my statement on a rumor, which is really incredible. It's you know our, our chief medical officer's credibility has taken a, a small hit over this one. Uh, I'm sure he'll bounce back though. He's been doing a pretty good job to date, but I think he was left with a red face after uh, uh, p- pinning this on um, some some medical workers in Tasmania. That said, they have experienced a spike in cases. Two hospitals in in uh, that part of Tasmania have, has had to close. So there's certainly some real serious investigating happening as to how that spike in 47 odd cases has happened since last Thursday but we're pretty sure it's not a legal dinner party. No that's right I mean this that initial report was absolutely alarming and you know but as a result and not of a dinner party but of, of something um, I think there's up to 5,000 people who are now in quarantine as a result yeah. of that. Um, the strictest the strictest lockdown measures in the country in that part of Tasmania at the moment. Yeah extraordinary also uh, not good news 
internationally over in the UK that they really are now following a similar path to Italy and their figures show that they have another 717 people uh, died in hospital over the past 24 hours and that takes their death toll in the UK to over 11,000 people, which is just a horrific number. And they do fear that they could even surpass Italy with the death toll. Um, Italy hit 20,000 deaths, but is now coming out the other side. Good news, though, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, is out of hospital. In the last seven days, I have, of course, seen the pressure that the NHS is under. I've seen the personal courage, not just of the doctors and nurses, but of everyone, the cleaners, the cooks, the healthcare workers of every description, physios, radiographers, pharmacists, who've kept coming to work, kept putting themselves in harm's way, kept risking this deadly virus. It is thanks to that courage, that devotion, that duty and that love that our NHS has been unbeatable. I want to pay my own thanks to the utterly brilliant doctors, leaders in their fields, uh, men and women, but several of them for some reason called Nick, who took some crucial decisions a few days ago, for which I will be grateful for the rest of my life. I mean, he looks remarkably well for someone who really, it was touch and go for Boris. Yeah, and it's, you'd think now that, oh, it wasn't so much of a scare after all, but certainly his words were that it could have gone either way, uh, which just goes to show that uh, when you get this virus, your life hangs in a balance until you can say that you've fully recovered from it. And uh, yeah, Boris is certainly in the age group of people who've succumbed to the virus. Uh, and I think uh, there'd be a lot of people in Britain who've never been so happy to hear his voice as they were uh, after Easter. So I- great to see him back, back up and about. Absolutely, and and that would have been a a very worrying time for the people there, and and really leaders around the world were watching and thinking, wow, this this could be any of us. By the grace of God, go I. Um, Trump, he is still (laughs) causing concern in the US, um, and, and people are now becoming quite vocal about it. Well, his his briefing uh, today was nothing short of astonishing. Uh, He launched a tirade uh, after questioning from journalists, and he said that his authority was total. It would be up to him to reopen uh, the country, even though that's a decision for the individual state governors to make. He said that he is the complete total authority in America, which reminded me a lot of Cartman in South Park when he's a police officer and he tells everybody to respect his authority. (laughs) And and it it didn't go down well with a number of governors around America who took issue with that and actually said that the idea that the president uh, has total authority over them is actually uh, unconstitutional. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of days. Also at the briefing, uh, Trump was asked about... uh, We know he's very active on Twitter. He was asked about retweeting a criticism of uh, Dr. Fauci, the the lead uh, American medical officer. Uh, And this tweet that uh, Trump reposted actually had the hashtag fire Fauci in it. So he had to talk about how, no, their relationship is still pretty good. This is the this is the guy who's charged with giving Trump his medical information on the pandemic. And it all stemmed from uh, some of Fauci's comments re- uh, this week that, uh, that Trump had been given information about the pandemic back in February, and he could have acted at that point to introduce social distancing and other guidelines, but didn't. And now we've seen, of course, that America has uh, 587,000 confirmed cases. So you could add uh, Spain 
Spain, Italy and France together and you still wouldn't get that many uh, and they've had more than 23,000 deaths. Wow. It's just just shocking. It is absolutely shocking. And the reality is um, President Trump was late to the party with coronavirus and yeah. and that has now caused this horrific situation um, that they're in. But a bloke who has all of America behind him and has done for many decades, Rocky Balboa. Do you know the Rocky theme? Yeah, of course. Well, a hospital in Massachusetts are playing this for the people who are overcoming COVID-19. Let's just have a listen. unbelievable is that that's so fantastic as they're walking out of hospital they play that theme uh, to just and it just lifts everybody's spirits you can imagine if you're a health worker in that hospital and you hear that play it would just just motivate you to just keep going when i'm sure at times it would seem like such a such a dark and horrible situation that they find themselves in to hear that would be amazing and uh, i applaud it and i would i hope that we never have to do that here in <laughs> yes. western australia because we flattened the curve so much but uh, it's amazing to see the uh, the lengths that they're going to uh, to to lift up everybody's spirits yeah and just to hear them clapping them as they're walking out of the corridors i mean it really you know um, raises the hairs on the back of your neck so an amazing Amazing thing to do. Well, that's it for us for Tuesday, the 14th of April. Ben O'Shea, Natalie Bongiolo, and we'll be back tomorrow for Coronavirus Watch.